Welcome to UUCSW Reflections, a podcast by the Unitarian Universalist Congregational Society of Westboro, Massachusetts. We're glad you're here. The following sermon was delivered by Reverend Laurel Gray on November 17, 2019. For information and links to readings or other materials referenced in the sermon, please check the show notes. Good morning. During our All Souls service, I read a poem during the prayer by the Irish mystic John O'Donohue. It's the opening to this book, Anamkara, which means soul friend. And our reading today is an excerpt from the end of the book called Death transfigures our separation. In Kanmara, the graveyards are near the ocean, where there is a lot of sandy soil. To open the grave, the sod is cut on three sides. It is rolled back very carefully from the surface of the field, but it is not broken off. Then the coffin is put down, the prayers are said, and the grave is blessed and filled. Then the sod is rolled out over the grave so that it fits exactly over the opening. A friend of mine calls it a caesarean section in reverse. It is as if the womb of the earth without being broken, is receiving back the individual who once left as a clay shape to live in separation above in the world. It is an image of homecoming, of being taken back completely again. It is a strange and magical fact to be here walking around in a body to have a world within you and a world at your fingertips outside you. It is an immense privilege, and it is incredible that humans manage to forget the miracle of being here. Rilke said, being here is so much. It is uncanny how social reality can deaden and numb us so that the mystical wonder of our lives goes totally unnoticed. We are here. We are wildly and dangerously free. The more lonely side of being here is our separation in the world. When you live in a body, you are separate from every other object and person. Many of our attempts to pray, to love, and to create are secret attempts at transfiguring that separation in order to build bridges outward so that others can reach us and we can reach them. At death, This physical separation is broken. The soul is released from its particular and exclusive location 
in its body. The soul then comes into a free and fluent universe of spiritual belonging. As Mary Oliver says, the trees are turning their own bodies into pillars of light, are giving off the rich fragrance of cinnamon and fulfillment. See, we find ourselves in the space between summer and winter now, between Samhain and Thanksgiving, between a season of loss of fallen leaves and one of celebration, festivals of birth and light. In this transition, how can we tend to remembering the miracle of being here? How can we turn our attention to the magic and privilege of being alive? Because it is not always easy. There is so much separateness, and we so desire connection. It's as if our souls long for that free and fluent universe of spiritual belonging, even as we exist in bodies that are fully distinct and separate. We try to build bridges outward, as O'Donohue writes, so we can transfigure the separation so that we can feel connected to one another. But we don't always know how to build bridges to the dead, the people we've lost or the loves we've never known in the first place. And the weight of that separateness can feel staggering, especially when the world around us is celebrating. Perhaps you find yourself in the space between. The space between grief and disappointment and heartache on the one hand, and an expectation for hope and joy and mirth on the other. That can be a hard balance to hold, even though so many of us do this time of year. As we saw two weeks ago, we have all lost people we love. We all have ancestors who have returned to the womb of the earth. We all know something of letting go of someone we held dear or never having known them at all. It is a season when we can feel the absence of our loved ones more deeply. Maybe someone has died recently. Maybe a relationship has ended a child has moved away. Maybe your relationship with your family has always been difficult, or you've grown weary of living alone. Grief comes in many colors and forms. Sometimes it comes like a tidal wave, and sometimes it's the damp chill that we ignore until we're bone cold. However it comes, grief calls for our attention. There is a chaplain named Kate Braystrup who's written a popular book on grief called Here If You Need Me. 
She has also said some harmful things recently, particularly to people of color, which I am not endorsing. And still her work on grief is sound. Holding that complexity, I offer you this. Braystrip tells a beautiful story on the moth, which is a storytelling podcast about a young girl whose cousin dies in a snowmobile accident and then insists on going to see his body before he is buried. Her parents are wary, concerned that it'll be too much for her, that a child shouldn't see a dead body, that it won't help. But the little girl is adamant and her parents can see. And Braystrip tells of this child going confidently into the funeral home walking around her cousin's little body, laying her head down on his chest and talking to him, singing to him, putting a favorite toy in his hand. She takes her time and then finally tucks him carefully in under a quilt because she knows he's never going to get up again. And she says in the sing-song voice of a child, I love you, Andy Dandy. Goodbye. After telling the story, Braystrup says this, which has always stuck with me. You can trust a human being with grief. Just walk fearlessly into the house of mourning, for grief is just love, squaring up to its oldest enemy. And after all these mortal human years, love is up to the challenge. When I did my chaplaincy work a few years ago, it's part of the training to become a minister. I took a workshop on resiliency that the hospital was offering to staff And there were all kinds of demos on different types of practices, but the primary one was gratitude. Because in all their studies, they found that one of the best ways to help bolster resiliency, even in the most difficult of situations, is gratitude. They recommend writing down three things every day that you're grateful for, what your role was in them, and how you felt. Doing this for even two weeks can have a prolonged effect on our resilience and our happiness. See, gratitude increases our ability to stay present when things get hard. You can trust a human being with grief. And during a season that can be so busy, when life gets thrown into sharper contrast, when the distance between our greeting card image of the holidays and the reality of how we actually feel, when that distance seems too big to hold, I wonder if gratitude and help bring us back to center. A few weeks ago, I was at a friend's house for Canadian Thanksgiving, 
And despite my insistence that I wasn't on duty, my friend's grandmother insisted that it was only right to have me say grace. This is one of the professional hazards of ministry. I think she was expecting me to say a prayer, to clasp my hands and bow my head, but I'm a you-you, and I doubted anyone wanted me to be so formal. So instead, I asked everyone to share something that they were grateful for. And everyone's answers were surprisingly simple. We're thankful for each other, for good health, for being together. We're thankful for friends who move back home, for family near enough to visit, for sharing a meal together. It's not often that we do this. To sit in the tenderness of gratitude, to build those bridges outward and tell someone simply that we are grateful to be in their presence. But what if we did? The holidays can be a time of noticing what's missing. Our attention casts toward what should be, what could have been, pulling us from our center. If you remember a few weeks ago when we were talking about belonging to ourselves and having the courage to stand alone, belonging is the process of living from our center, the practice of showing up with our whole selves. And as Brene Brown teaches over and over, that vulnerability is the birthplace of connection. It is the prerequisite for con feeling connected to the people we love. And it takes courage to show up with our whole selves, especially when the world around us is covered in lights and bows and we feel the lead weight of grief or loss or loneliness. Mirth and levity and joy can feel endlessly far away in those moments. But maybe, just maybe, gratitude can be a companion to the heaviness. Gratitude for the love we've known, gratitude for all that we do have, not as a way of denying our grief, but as a way of befriending it of being gentle with ourselves in our fullness and our complexity. A therapist once told me that if we try to deny our hard feelings, they'll just start weightlifting in the basement. And then when they finally escape, they'll be that much stronger and harder to manage. When we acknowledge those feelings, they stop getting bigger. They stop fighting so hard to get our attention. And we're also being kind to ourselves and removing the layer of guilt or shame that comes with telling ourselves that we shouldn't feel whatever it is that we really do feel. So instead of trying to lock our grief 
or maybe it's sadness or shame, instead of trying to lock it in the basement so we can maintain that perfect holiday cheer, what if we befriended it? Got to know where it came from, what it needs us to pay attention to. For like Braestrup says, grief is just love squaring up with its oldest enemy. And after all these mortal human years, love is up to the challenge. So as we enter this season of bustle and cheer, I invite you to consider what it is that you truly need. What part of your heart or body or mind is calling for your attention? Can you find some stillness? Feel the breath in your chest and turn your attention to someone or something that you're grateful for. This is a season that wants us to look for what's missing with all the presents and ornaments and candles and food. We're all in a mad dash to think about what we don't have. We made the pie but forgot the cranberry sauce or making lists for Santa of all the things we don't own. What if instead we were thankful for the pie and the people we made it for or we decided to forego presents all together and gave that money away, donating to some cause that matters to us and focusing on how much we already have. And what if we made space for our grief or disappointment or loneliness when it comes, resisting the urge to mask it with false cheer or another glass of wine? Because the people who love us want to know us as we are. For that is the bridge. That is the birthplace of connection. And grief paired with gratitude is very different from grief held with comparison. Thanks for listening. For more information about what's happening at UUCSW or for ways to get involved, visit us online at uucsw.org or visit us in person. All are welcome.